0: Writing and producing an album is a lot of hard work. It's just, it takes a lot of coordination, a lot of planning, and just honestly a lot of time spent workshopping the songs, revising different mix revisions, making sure everything is mastered correctly, and at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, hopefully you have something that you can be proud of. And welcome to Everyone's Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. My name is Martin Chiselle, and in this episode, I'm gonna be getting into how I created my album. My album that just came out called Work from Home. It's very exciting. It's been out for a week. Thank you so much to everyone who's already listened to it and sent me positive feedback. It really, really means a lot that you've taken the time out of your day to listen to my music and that hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you haven't listened to it yet, it is still available on Spotify and Apple Music and other streaming services. So uh, I'm just going to be talking today about... The process it took going through all those songs. Um, I'm going to be getting into specific audio clips, showing you different versions from the songs in progress of being made. So hopefully that's exciting, and yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get detailed. I hope you like details, <laughs> but why would you be listening to this podcast if not for? wanting to hear the details. But anyway, um, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> so much of this podcast is just me laughing to myself about things that probably no one finds funny. But it's just there's a bit of, I don't know, just just me doing it in this in this format or i'm just talking by myself in an empty room knowing that other people other people that i know are going to be listening sometimes it's just like i gotta i gotta i don't know um there's just, there's a bit of humor in it for me but anyway uh that is totally not the point so my album is called work from home why is it called work from home you ask oh well thank you for asking the album is called work from home because most of the songs were produced remotely during the pandemic um like I was co-writing it with other people and they were all in their homes and I was in mine and we were on FaceTime or Zoom or something or even most of the recording sessions as well were also done remotely um, with either just one person by themselves recording it or just two people and then the other person's remote, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Similarly to the EP that I put out in 2019, there were six or seven songs on it. Uh, It was called I Don't Play Guitar, um both of these projects were kind of similar in that I didn't start out by having like a clear vision of oh I want to make this album I want it to sound like this and I'm going to start writing the songs on it. You know it was not it was not like that at all. Rather it was basically just me being in a bunch of co-writing sessions and making these songs with people that it's eventually I'm like oh you know actually a lot of these sound like cohesive enough together that they could maybe work on an album. And so the idea to put them together on the album basically came into my brain (laughs) after working on probably most of them. But That being said, it wasn't a totally random process, you know, because I was making a conscious effort to form my music into more of this sort of dark cinematic sort of style. And just that choice alone, made it so that the songs that I was working on during this period of my life all sounded more or less cohesive or at least the ones that I chose to put on the album sound more or less cohesive with each other. So it's not like it's just a totally spontaneous process. I don't want to give the impression that I'm just doing this willy-nilly because I'm not. But anyway, um, so I'm going to be walking through creating the songs on my album in chronological order of when they were made. And that means that we're going to be starting all the way back in 2019, which was in my second year of college. I was basically going to school at Belmont University in Nashville we were i was taking this songwriting practicum class and this is sort of like a higher level songwriting class like it's after i already took intro to commercial songwriting commercial songwriting 1 and commercial songwriting 2 and songwriting practicum if you like if you define practicum if you google that um you will find that wikipedia says a practicum is an undergraduate or graduate level course, often in a specialized field of study, that is designed to give students supervised practical application of a previously or concurrently studied field or theory. <laughs> so that's, that's a fun definition, but. Basically, they just they wanted to have a songwriting class that's very, very much focused on the practical application of songwriting. So what our teacher said at the very beginning of the class is that you're going to be treated as if you are writing songs for a publishing company, as if I am your music publisher and I am giving you projects similar to what the projects that you would have if you were songwriters actually signed to a real publishing company. So that's awesome. And to add an element to it that's even more real is that for like, for all of the classes, they had, actual music industry people who are either you know they have various companies or productions that they work for and your goal is to write a song to show to them and to pitch it to them and maybe just maybe they might choose to do something with it you know they might choose to pitch it around themselves or they might choose to have one of their people do something with it i don't know it's very general but Overall, it's that class is giving you real opportunities to actually pitch your music to industry professionals, which is great. So the opportunities that were specifically around when I was taking that class in the fall of 2019, there were three things. Uh, the first was a sync licensing company based in New York. Um, you could write songs that would hopefully be uh, friendly for sync. And when I say sync, I just mean the the industry of syncing music with film or picture so songs that work well in movies television commercials etc etc so that was the first opportunity the second opportunity it was uh, a manager i think someone who was in los angeles who just wanted songs for things that one was very vague but uh the third opportunity it was a publisher who owns most of the catalog of this classic country songwriter named Harlan Howard, his songs are still making decent royalties, you know, because he's written songs for some famous country artists, which you would recognize if you were a fan of country music. But anyway, uh, basically what that opportunity was is the the publisher, she had all these songs and it's like, Wanting to put new life into them because some of these songs, they were hits like in the 60s or the 70s. But to have like a modern recording of them with modern production and modern arrangement really is very, very good for just, you know, lifting up these old songs. And it's like they still serve a purpose somehow, you know. Um, So that, that was what I was most attracted to in, from the various pitching opportunities, because I had had enough rejection of showing people my own original songs and them not caring at all. You know, i had already been through the ringer with that several times throughout my college experience. So it's like, why not try something different? Why not try making creative covers of alternative versions of these classic country songs <laughs> written by the songwriter Harlan Howard? So... I got together with some other students in my class, uh, we paired up, and we just started working. So um, the, the, the reason I'm telling you this story in the context of my album, maybe I should have prefaced it with this. <laughs> uh, one of the covers that I made in this class ended up I, I really liked it, and I ended up putting it on my album. It's totally fine to put cover songs on Spotify. You just have to go through the special licensing arrangement. But anyway, out of my album, out of the nine songs on it, one of them is a cover, and this is the story of what happened to that cover song. So anyway, with that <laughs> with that out of the way, um, basically, uh, so I was working with a songwriter in a class named Nicole, and Nicole was thinking, you know, it would be really good to pick a song that is not really one of Harlan Howard's most famous songs, but to pick one that's a little bit more of a deep cut, something that is not particularly popular or particularly famous, because then it shows the publisher that, one, we're doing our research, and two, we see the value in the songs that were not necessarily the, the most accessible of his catalog. So... With that general idea in mind, I went through and I did a bunch of research on the albums that he released. And I found out that Harlan Howard actually released an album on his own called Harlan Howard Sings Harlan Howard, (laughs) which is funny because mostly he was pitching his songs to other artists. But on this album, he has some songs that were not, some songs that were recorded originally by other artists and some songs that he was releasing by himself for the very first time. And one of those songs was called he 's just a little meaner," and that song in particular, I was like that we could really, really work with because it 's not like overly country it 's not overly like clearly old timey you know it, it doesn 't the the lyrics itself and the melody doesn 't sound particularly dated, so I thought like that would be that would be a cool starting point and then I showed that to Nicole and the other songwriter, we were working with Belle, and they were like, yeah, that's let's do it. (laughs) That sounds good. Um, So we ended up also picking um, Why Not Me, which is a more popular song written by Harlan Howard by the Judds. So we were working on both of those, but the The one that made it on my album is he's just a little meaner, or also known as be just a little meaner, but you can look up the original the original song on youtube um I don't think it's on Spotify for some reason, but if you're curious, it's just he's just a little meaner. Harlan Howard spelled how it sounds um the the cover version we made of it it was was uh <clears throat> it was a really fun process because we were I was playing it on piano and Nicole was kind of giving me guidance of like the style of which to play the piano. And I was thinking, you know, we should should play chords that are different from the chords in the original song. We should really change up the arrangement. And she was able, Nicole sang it in such a beautiful, haunting way. Like it sounds so different from the original. the The essence of the melody is still the same, but not all the notes are exactly the same as the original. And... Um so we recorded it just piano vocal and then I thought you know this is this, this is a good start it's sounding a little bit like redundant over time like just cuz there's not much going on it's just piano vocal so I actually asked my former freshman roommate Brian I asked him to play violin on the song and so me and him we went into a practice room and He brought his USB microphone and we recorded him playing violin and I kind of like gave him guidance on some of the melodies, but mostly he was figuring out the melodies by himself and he did such a beautiful job with it. (laughs) I can't, can't even, ah, yeah. Anyway, so here is the cover version that we made of Be Just a Little Meaner by Harlan Howard, also known as He's Just a Little Meaner. I don't know why there are two titles. Anyway, here is the cover song.
1: Be just a little leaner And maybe I can break away Make me cry a little harder and maybe I won't to stay.
0: So we showed that to the class when it was presentation time, when everyone was sharing their songs. We were the only ones who had a cover song. All the other students had chosen to write original songs for the other pitch opportunities but anyway, they really they really enjoyed it. They thought it was good, and um, we made the production a little bit better. We got it. Actually, the the songwriting professor helped us master the songs in class, which was awesome. And then we he got it, and he, he the songwriting professor he sent it to the publisher, the publisher of the Harlan Howard songs, and lo and behold. She actually enjoyed it. She got uh, the cover of the song I just showed you, as well as Why Not Me, as well as I Fall to Pieces, which was another cover that me and two other students worked on. And she was like, wow, those, those sound so much better than I was expecting. I can't believe the, the talent coming out of your class. Like, I don't remember the exact words that she said, but it was really, really positive and really, really encouraging that she liked these covers that we made. So basically, uh, there was not... In exact agreement over what was going to happen next, but the general pretense that we got from when she came to class originally, just to explain the assignment, as well as when our professor was talking about it, was that, you know, she wants these cover versions because she wants to potentially license them potentially pitch them for other opportunities on her own. So if she has a good cover recording that somebody else has made for her, then she can do something with it. And she might want to potentially strike up some sort of agreement, some sort of arrangement where she purchases or license the rights to these cover songs. So we were thinking, oh, wow, this might actually lead to something where we might have an actual like agreement. But then when we went to go and meet with her, she was thinking, oh no, this is just like, we're just talking. This is is the beginning of a conversation, but there's no expectations. There's no obligations that anything is going to happen. And then we were a little blindsided because we thought, wait, but thought the whole point of this class that we were in was that you're potentially entering real agreements with real business industry professionals. And if they're just like, Oh yeah, that's cool. You did a good job. Like that's great that they thought you did a good job, but I thought we were thought we were trying to be professionals here. So it was just a little bit awkward in that conversation with uh the publisher when we ended up meeting. But she did say, you know, after giving it a little thought in the meeting, she was like, you know, maybe, maybe I maybe I will actually purchase the rights for your recording of these songs, what would you quote me for that? How much would you value your recording at? And then we were like looking at each other and it's like, I don't know. We didn't talk about that beforehand. Like we did not have a good answer to her. Uh, But we were just kind of just saying, well, we'll, we'll talk about it and reconvene and get back to you later. So we uh, waited like a week or two or something, and then uh, we emailed her basically saying, okay, so you'd already talked with your other person about this rate um, for the songs that he was charging you for his re-recordings of the Harlan Howard songs. So we're going to just match that rate. We'll do exactly what he was doing. And I'm not going to say the exact amount on this podcast, but... Um, it wasn't like a lot of money. It wasn't, it it wasn't pennies either. It was like, uh, some money, you know, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, and she did not respond to our email right away. It took her like a long time to get back to us. And when she finally did, she was like, actually, you know, I've thought about it and I don't need to, I don't need to purchase your recording. So (laughs) <laughs> so that was it. Um it just kind of fizzled out at that. And it's it's just a little bit frustrating because on one hand, this was like one of the very first times a real music publisher took any interest in the work that I was doing, but Also, it didn't go anywhere, but also it was still like a fun meeting and at least it was good to get experience being in a situation with that, Uh, a situation like that and getting hit a hard question right away being like, how much would you charge for your recording of this song? Like, ah, (laughs) like maybe, maybe that should have been something that we discussed beforehand. But, but now we know for future reference to, to come prepared for things like that. Um, So we recorded that cover in the fall of 2019, and I just left it alone. I didn't really do anything with it until probably February or March of 2021, when I was finalizing all the plans for my album and what songs I wanted to be on it. And I was like, you know, I would really like to put this on the album because it fits with the overall, the the cinematic, the orchestral style of it all and i just um i made some slight revisions to the mixing i made the vocals sound a little bit better and i uh, used different drum samples i i made the drums sound better at the end of the song and yeah so that is the story of the cover song on my album be just a little meaner also known as he's just a little meaner depending on what version of the song you're listening to <laughs> but Anyway, moving on to the next song. So, in uh now we're going into the winter of 2020. This is like January, February. I had my very first co-writing session during the during that semester which I did through the BUSA, the the Belmont University Songwriters Association Co-Writing Connection Program, where they just put you with a random student. I've talked about that before. I'm not going to go into too much detail on that again. But the student that I connected with was Abby Love. And she, at the time, I believe was a freshman at Belmont. And we were just writing together virtually remotely. And this was before we even like before that was common, because this was pre-pandemic. But you know, since then it became a lot more common. (laughs) But anyway so we wrote together on FaceTime it's it was it was actually really fun despite the initial awkwardness of it being you know a video call um she's a really cool person and she came with a cool song idea to write with it was like a whole fleshed out first verse and pre chorus um that she said she had been sitting with that idea for like a while but she wasn't sure where to take it so it was amazing that she was trusting me to like (laughs) figure out where 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 to go with it but together we ended up co-writing the chorus second verse and bridge and it was it was really fun um it was just at, at the very beginning it was just piano vocal and Abby recorded after after we wrote it together. Abby recorded a version of herself playing it on piano and singing it. Um, it was apparently she she told me it was late at night, so she was singing it in her bathroom of her dorm room. <laughs> so uh, not the not the highest quality vocal recording, but this is this is the version that she sent me before I worked on producing it.
1: I've seen the dirty water i've heard the cries i tried to fight him off but i can't break the ties it's not easy it's not practical it might be treason but i'm back for
0: So in terms of guidance on how to produce it, Abby told me that she wanted definitely the first two chords that she's playing in the verse, the da-da, that part, she wanted it to sound really huge and really dramatic. So... With, with that in mind, I worked on producing it and I really wanted to make it like almost like a movie trailer, like very string heavy, very dramatic, very just like punches you in the gut. So this is the very rough production that I made based on this demo. This is the version that I sent to Abby uh, like, I don't know, a week or two after our co-writing session. So here you go.
1: I've seen the dirty water I've heard the cries I tried to fight them all I can't break the ties it's not easy it's not practical it might be treason but I'm
0: So after I sent this to Abby, she was very much excited about where it was going, and she was like, "Yeah, this is great." I showed it to some of my friends, and they really enjoyed it. And so I was like, "Cool. Well, I'm glad you like it. Let's let's keep going with it. Let's let's polish up the recording and make it make it better, and hopefully, hopefully release it." So we scheduled a recording session with. Um, My friend Riley Kennedy, he has recorded several of my songs in the past. He's a very sweet, very kind person. And uh, basically the idea was, since I was still in Los Angeles doing the Belmont West program, um, Abby was just going to go to visit Riley in his dorm where he has his recording set up and had his recording set up and just do it there. And I would maybe be you know on FaceTime or something but Abby and Riley would be together recording the song and they scheduled that for it was something like March 20th I think but guess what happened well a uh, pandemic broke out so the in the middle of spring break school got extended and then eventually like it turned into the entire rest of the semester being online so in terms of having an in-person recording session in the dorms, that just was not even in the cards because everyone was already sent home, you know? <laughs> so it, it kind of dramatically delayed the process of getting the song recorded. It wasn't until the fall semester of 2020 um, nearly, like, would have been, like, six or seven months after originally writing the song that finally school was back in session, more or less like in a hybrid capacity for depending on the class. Um, I mean, I I graduated in May 2020, so I didn't really see that whole process. But anyway, so Abby and Riley got together in Nashville, and Abby went to Riley's apartment, and I was on FaceTime. This was, I think, October, and it was really fun. They they were recording the song together, and I was just kind of, you know, there. (laughs) There in the background, I had to mute my FaceTime audio whenever... um, Whenever they were recording, because I didn't want to potentially like, like, scooch in my chair, like, make any, like, like those kind of noises that could potentially get amplified by the FaceTime and then uh, get into the recording and ruin a take. But, um, yeah so 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 that was fun, and uh Riley was very patient with me, both Riley and Abby were great through the whole process, even through all of my you know, oh wait, no, sing it this way, wait, no, uh uh sing the melody, you know i sometimes I can be too overbearing with that, but um, I'm working on it uh anyway, so yeah, so we got we got a really good vocal recording, and um then. I worked on, you know, editing and mixing all the vocals together and making just a more solid arrangement of everything else. And finally, here is what the song turned out as. This is the final master of No Man's Land.
1: I've seen the dirty water I've heard the cries I tried to fight him off I can't break the ties It's uneasy It's not practical It might be treason, but I'm back
0: So moving on to the next part of the story, Uh, me and Abby, we were writing together as part of the, I think it was the month of January, the co-writing connection program. So I was a part of the program again for the February part. And, um, so my co-writers assigned during February, it was going to be three-way songwriting sessions. So three people in a room together, as opposed to two people in a room. And the songwriters that I got paired with were also at the main Belmont campus in Nashville. So it was going to have to be another virtual co-writing session, even though, you know, this is February 2020, the pandemic still hadn't hit. We we got something on the calendar And, uh, it wasn't the pandemic that threw this one off, but it was just scheduling, you know, scheduling is hard, uh, especially if, you know, there's three people rather than two people. That's just another, you know, schedule to balance. So, uh, we ended up me, so it was me, Elizabeth and Lily, and me and Lily ended up just writing together. Uh, but then the three of us, me, Lily and Elizabeth, we got together to write another song um in may so it took a while between february and may to get that rescheduled but we did and it ended up being really really cool (laughs) so at the beginning of the co-writing session i shared with them some instrumental tracks that i had that we could potentially write lyrics and melody over and there there were a few i think there were three total there was one that was kind of like like electronic like pop and there was another that was kind of like almost trying to be a video game (laughs) or at least use video game inspired production but the one that we ended up going with um was this this track that i had made i think just like the night before it was very slow very dramatic very somber. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it in so that it's playing as I'm talking to you right now and it's just you know very I don't know, describe it how you will, but this is the one we decided on and to come up with a song topic, I suggested that we could choose from a collection of song topics I'd saved from my computer that are useful for writing songs that may potentially be used for film or TV. And after going through a bunch of potential song song topics, song ideas, we ended up settling on the concept of revenge. And I think revenge paired with another topic, and I forgot what the second topic was. But in terms of revenge, we started writing it, and it just kind of like... Morphed into this super elaborate storyline of this character, the person who 's singing the song, who was murdered is now dead is now a ghost the The song is sung from the perspective of this ghost who is coming back from the dead and trying to murder to to avenge her former self to to kill the person that killed her basically <laughs> is is the the story and some of the lines uh, that sort of establish that are in the, in the first verse, it's left a loose end in a past life. I want you under my knife. Savor your breath. Your match is met tonight. So I had never before written a song with lyrics this I don't know, almost sinister or dark, but it was really fun to sort of stretch that muscle and just write something that is absolutely nowhere connected to any experience that I've ever had and just write a spooky Halloween-y song. I mean, we weren't thinking about it, Uh, so we wrote it in May. Uh, It ended up being such that Oh, this is perfect for Halloween. I want to release it on Halloween. But that was like a decision that I made later. Um, but here is um, a rough demo of Lily singing the song um, along with my instrumental. She's just recording it on her phone at this point. But this is the very first recording that I have of the song. Mm.
1: Your
0: breath Your So after writing it and hashing out all the revisions, obviously the next step was to get a better vocal recording uh, with a good microphone. And so Lily actually had a microphone herself and was more than confident enough to, you know, demand the controls and do everything on the tech side with recording the song on her own. So that was fantastic. And literally that co, that recording session, it was just me on FaceTime and her alone by herself, just recording it and talking through the process and working through recording the song. And so, after we got that vocal recording, um, basically, I was working on switching up the production. It was like, I went through phases of thinking that I wanted it to sound really different than it did originally, but then there were other phases where I was like, no, I want it to sound the same. Um, one of the dramatic changes that I ended up actually making was that I wanted to have the vocals in the verses have this vocoder sound. And if you're not a music producer and you're not familiar with the term vocoder, that just means an effect where you take a vocal melody and then you transform it to have basically notes as if you're playing on a piano. So like you turn a single vocal line, a single lead melody, and you turn it into entire chords that you control just by playing those in with a keyboard. So I experimented with two different vocoder sounds. I'm gonna I, I shared them with some people <laughs> back then asking them which of these is better. Um I'm gonna show them for you right now, just in case you're curious. The very first vocoder sound is the logic evoc20 that is the only vocoder that is built into logic which is the program i use for music production um so that sounds a little something like this
1: never known to be the bad guy you turned me to the dark side mm.
0: So then the other vocoder sound that I experimented with was actually just manually using Melodyne, which is a tuning plugin, uh, to adjust all of the notes of all the individual <laughs> vocal lines separately so i basically i took the lead vocal melody and i duplicated it about like seven times and then made seven different versions manually editing the notes so that they would go to the chords that i wanted to play and it was very time consuming and very tedious but this was the vocoder sound that i got after making all of those manual adjustments in melodyne
1: never known. To be the bad guy you turned me to the dark side
0: mm. So I eventually decided that the melodyne version sounded a lot better um, and just more smooth, more consistent. And also, when you spend so much time at trying to make something work you're you're usually inclined to go with the version that it took more time to produce, even if like arguably objectively either of those would have worked for the song. I just really liked um what I was able to do in the tuning program so anyway uh we we worked on this song, I sent them uh mixes, and finally, 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 after working on this for I guess five months um, on and off you know not continuously but uh, so this song was released on Spotify on Halloween and here is the final recording of Back from the Dead
1: Never known to be the bad guy You turned me to the dark side mm. and in a past life I want you under my knife. your breath. Your
0: Alright, moving on. So going through chronologically in terms of the songs that I was working on in this album, the next song that I wrote was with a Belmont student named Abigail. I believe we got connected through... Uh, like a like a zoom networking event, I guess. I don't remember exactly what the occasion was, but me and Abigail, I think we connected through the through the chat on the on the Zoom call. So then um or maybe did did I DM her on Instagram? I forget how this all happened <laughs> but anyway, somehow we got connected through Zoom and we decided to have a co-writing session together and she brought a song that she'd already been working on but just like basically the chorus she had and it was really really beautiful and really really sweet and I was like yeah let's let's see what we can do with this so uh th- through the session we just we wrote the second verse the um I think we like fleshed out sort of a post-chorus hook sort of a thing and Um, yeah, we wrote the verses, like I said, and it was good and it was fun. And this was a really fast co-writing session. I feel like it was only about two, two and a half hours. And we had the whole song written, basically almost the final draft already. And that doesn't always happen. When it does happen, it's a blessing because it's like, oh, sweet. We just did it. We're done. But it was, it was good. Uh, it's just this, this wholesome song about, Coping with doubt and uncertainty by thinking back to something that your father said, you know, uh, just fatherly advice about being confident and standing up in the face of fear. Um, that's what the lyrics are about. Uh, for fleshing out the production. So Abigail was singing and she was also playing acoustic guitar. Um, I played bass guitar and I also added uh, some MIDI strings and MIDI drums, so just producing those in Logic. And I have the very, very first, the very rough demo that we had of the song. Um, so this is the song we called Run Out of Fear.
1: It feels like the world is crashing time is speeding up or maybe it's just in my head so i tell myself what my dad always said
0: so that was that version and then in order to get a more polished recording of the song um Abigail went over to James. James is a producer from Belmont that has also recorded quite a few of my songs, and he is a very cool guy. Um, She went over to his place, and they recorded the acoustic guitar and later the vocals. And for the vocal session, I was present. I was on FaceTime again, and (laughs) she and James were in the same room recording the song together. Uh, But it was just, it was really fun. It was a really, really good experience. Um, For the vocal harmonies, I had my own idea of what I thought the harmonies could go like. So I I arranged them and I recorded them, singing them myself. And then I sent them to James so that he would have them in his computer as sort of a guide for the vocal recording session. So just for fun, I'm going to play you the version of me singing the harmonies in the chorus. Here it is.
1: Run faster than what scares you till you run out of fear.
0: So anyway, Abigail did a great job at recording the vocals, a much better job than I would have done. <laughs> but uh yeah, we got the vocals, I edited it, I fleshed out the production a bit more, I added piano. Um, and I kept the strings, but I changed them up a bit to make it a little bit more, I would say, tasteful, hopefully. And I really didn't like what I was doing with the drums before. Um, you know, I'm not a drummer. I'm not great at producing drums on my own. So I actually, I asked Liam, uh, who has been on this podcast before, I asked Liam if he would be able to produce the drums and because he's an actual drummer and he knows a lot about music production as well. So that's like the best of both worlds. And so he was able to produce the drums for this song, which was great. And uh, yeah, this is the final version of the song Run Out of Fear.
1: ever gonna stop it now Maybe time is speeding up, or maybe it's just in my head. So I tell myself what my father always said: Run faster than what's scared.
0: the next song in the chronological order of when these were written is actually the very first song in the album ikigai and this actually started out as something totally different a completely different song so during all throughout all of the pandemic This came out of my only, like, the one co-writing session I had that was actually in person. Um, Basically, so it's the middle of the summer of 2020. I'm in San Diego living with my older brother. And I think this is, like, close to the 4th of July or, like, around that time that they had um, some family come over. and, And through family is how I ended up meeting Steve, who is... Really, a really fascinating person. Um He, I, I honestly, I could not give a concise explanation of his life in like, <laughs> in 30 seconds or less. I don't know. I would have to defer to him to that. But uh he works in, uh he does like these very artistic airbrush and paint jobs for cars. And he's had his work featured on some major television networks. And he also is a musician. He's played guitar for a long time and he has uh, like a few songs, I think, that have like millions of streams in Europe or something. I, I forget the exact details of the story. But anyway, um, he was really excited about meeting me and potentially getting to co write a song with me while he was there visiting um, my older brother and their family. Uh, around that time in the summer. So we sat down together. We sat down on a couch and we started writing this song. Um, It's just, (laughs) uh, it was like, well, let's just write a song about feeling good or feeling fine, which ended up turning into feeling right. So the song is called Feeling Right. and, um, And I sort of, like, produced a bare-bones instrumental. Uh, We co-wrote the lyrics together. Uh, Steve played guitar on it. And here's a very rough recording of the first draft of the song with me singing.
1: Feeling right
0: so good it feels so nice in paradise so that was the original demo of the song but obviously i'm not a singer and we wanted to get it recorded by an actual singer who could do the song justice so we got two singers uh to sing on it the first one being um aubrey and the second one being danelle and um, I will play you just for reference the the two recordings of them singing the song. They're, they're also in different keys, but anyway, <laughs> here's the version with Aubrey singing. And here's the version with Danelle singing. I don't know if you noticed in those short clips, but it's not just the key that's different between those two. The production was actually significantly improved in the version that Donnell sang. And that's largely because Steve uh, got his son, who is a music producer, also named Steve, but Steve Jr., uh, to work on the song and to flesh out the production. And he did a really good job with it. And um, yeah, so so basically they were in the progress of working on the song and figuring out What to do with it, um, trying to bring it to like professional mastering engineers that have like a lot of clout and even uh, mixing engineers as well. So while that was all happening, while they were working on it, I was kind of like stepping aside and letting Steve and his son um, get the people who they wanted to work on the song. Um, And in the meantime, I was very, very captivated by the recording that Aubrey was singing of the bridge of the song. So when we were having the remote vocal recording session, um, uh, I was just like, yeah, so we we did not write a bridge for the song, but what I think would be great is if you would be able to just sing, to to improvise like laws or oohs or whatever feels right to you. <laughs> and so I didn't really give her very much direction on that. And she just did what came out and it was so good so this is this is the original uh recording of her singing the bridge that i put in the demo of the song so she's saying like i think like seven or eight takes and then i edited it down to just a single lead vocal melody in the bridge so here is that feel So that sounds great, but... What actually really, really stuck out at me was when I just, rather than listening to a single vocal take at once, just listening to all of the takes of Aubrey singing, all seven or eight takes all together without even editing them, just being like, this is the sum of what she recorded in the song as it existed. And then just muting the entire rest of the song and just listening to the vocals by itself. I was just like, this is something else. So, so this is what this is what that sounds like.
1: Hmm.
0: So I was like, I can do something with this. I can make it into its own thing. Um, So I put a bunch of reverb on the vocals to make it sound really nice and angelic. And then there's a middle section after that's done where it's sort of like the vocals are repeated, but they're like edited differently. And there's some extra elements and chaotic sounding samples that are thrown in there. And then uh, the, the end of the song is just basically a piano instrumental that's still based on the melody of Aubrey's vocals. Uh, but it's just like, I made this really strange abstract piece of instrumental music, I guess, based on what Aubrey was singing, and I really liked it, and I really wanted to include it on my album, because it fits with sort of the whole vibe, and I thought it would be a great opening track, so I talked to Aubrey and Steve about it, and they were both fine with me putting it on my album, and it's like, cool, I'm glad this gets to have uh, sort of a life separate from Feeling Right's to be determined on how the rest of that story goes with the song. Uh, it's, it's still not it's still not publicly released. We still we did get a final mastered recording, which is good, but I think we're going to start pitching it, but that has not really started happening yet. So that story with the original song Feeling Right is still in progress. But anyway, back to my album. So even though this is mostly an instrumental track, the reason why I decided to call it Ikigai is because ikigai is a Japanese word uh, I first learned about it on the You made it Weird podcast with pete Holmes um he's talking with a guest, and that topic came up uh and they basically defined it as ikigai means your reason to get out of bed in the morning and i just I find that really beautiful just your your motivation for beginning your day and not just you know wallowing in bed, which I feel is so common, especially with <laughs> you know quarantine pandemic living but but yeah so another another definition for ikigai is just a reason for being which is a much more general thing and honestly i need some of that in my life right now i feel even though it has been really really fun to be releasing this album i need some i need some motivation to get out of bed (laughs) in the morning sometimes but but i'll talk about that later anyway moving on to the next song on this album um the next one in chronological order of how i was working on them is back to me which is the song that i wrote with my friend frankie uh i think we wrote this in july or august of 2020. Frankie's artist name is Casual Confrontation, so that's why on the song it's uh, Back to Me featuring Casual Confrontation. And basically the 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 way this co-writing session initiated is we just we wanted to write together and we were both feeling this this sense of not really feeling motivation literally everything that i was just talking about 30 seconds ago about being in quarantine and not feeling like we want to get out of bed in the morning so uh i had already written before this session with frankie i had written some songs about like the pandemic and the quarantine and the the songs were like let's find the hope in all of this let's let's be optimistic but uh, at this point i was just like let's just write a song about, about how how much this sucks and how much quarantine sucks and how much it sucks to have to stay inside and not be able to see your friends and, and the whole deal. So we just wrote a really raw, vulnerable song about that. Uh, the very first line is, I'm waking up a little more tired than usual, which is just straight from personal experience. So, <laughs> um and in terms of the production, uh, we were writing to a track, an instrumental track that I'd produced before the session. I really, really liked this sample that I got on Splice. Uh, Splice is just a website where you can get royalty-free samples. You just pay them a monthly subscription and then you can, just, you can use any of the samples that they have for um, basically the amount of credits that they give you. And one of the samples I found on Splice was from this Ambient Meditations sample pack. And I was just like, whoa, this is really cool. So this is... S-O-A-M stands for Splice Originals Ambient Meditations 80 Serum Keys Ashby G Minor. That's the name of the sample. So it's just like, like, like it just sounds so satisfying, you know? Um, And I really, really liked it. But I was like, wait, why don't we speed it up a little bit? Because it's kind of slow. I mean, that's kind of the whole point that slow and calm and meditative, but So I sped up the sample to 145 bpm, and this now, what you're listening to, is what that sample sounds like sped up, and um, I was just producing this instrumental track using this sample as sort of the basis, and I added in... Orchestral percussion sounds, and I added in other sound effects and everything that is playing right now. This is all an instrumental track that I made using pretty much exclusively splice samples. Uh, there's a little bit of extra MIDI instruments in there, but as I was showing it to Frankie at the beginning of our co-writing session, it was literally just probably 80% sampled recordings from the splays <laughs> that I had edited, but. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's really cool how that sort of service exists, and you can, you can be creative by using stuff that other people have come up with, and you don't just have to start with a ground up with all of your songs. But anyway, so we were writing this uh, together and coming up with all these lyrics about how quarantine sucks, and it was just, it was really fun, it was really cathartic, um, and Frankie was mostly writing it on piano like he was able to pick up on the melody in that meditative sample really really easily and just play it on piano and he actually ended up recording a vocal demo after we were done writing the song um, he recorded a demo to demonstrate what we had written and this is that very very original recording that Frankie sang.
1: Waking up a little more tired than usual I'm a little unstable and that's alright I can't stand all of this madness Even when I'm sleeping in silence I'm waking up a little more tired than usual I've been missing the person I used to be I've been stressing through all my anxiety. I guess you gotta face some of the changes I should be making. I'm coming back,
0: coming back to me. So then I worked on, after this recording was made, I worked on producing more of the instruments and just fleshing out the whole production and mixing. And uh, Frankie also made a more polished recording of his vocals, which he did all by himself. I was not even present for that, uh, and in in that whole production process, I I think originally I was just going to have that um, that original synth meditative sample from splice but i really really liked i liked what frankie was doing in that demo so much that he was playing on piano that i just had to i had to imitate that so i recreated that melody on piano and just had that be at the beginning of the song and then slowly fades into the synth melody but uh yeah it was just it was a really fun process i also used a recording of my nephew while i was babysitting my nephews one of them was screaming Just obnoxiously. And I used a recording of him screaming in this song. It's kind of hidden. It's like built into the production. But to get that full story of how he was screaming, you're going to have to do the little contest that I was talking about uh, on the two previous episodes, just listening to the album that I made and picking up in the samples and if you can listen to four or more of those samples then you will get access to the behind the scenes videos where I talk about using my niece and nephews while babysitting in the production of these songs but anyway so here is the final version of Back to Me with Frankie aka Casual Confrontation.
1: Waking up a little more tired than usual I'm a little unstable and that's alright Can't stand all of this madness And even when I'm sitting in silence I'm waking up a little more tired than usual I've been missing the person I used to be have been stressing through all my anxiety.
0: So the remaining 3 tracks on my album, they were more or less like solo projects, so there's not as much of a story to tell about them because they did not really involve other people. Um, the first of which was permission, which this is just kind of an instrumental, not quite instrumental, but an EDM track that I just it was a personal indulgence in just putting all of these bunch of sounds together. Um, some cinematic, uh, dramatic samples, like a big blah, like, like a, like a movie trailer noise where, you know, it cuts to a different scene and it's like blah, like <laughs> that sound is used in permission. Um, and also, um, I used these th- this Middle Eastern sample pack on Splice, which has such cool sounds. There's some violins in there from that sample pack, and um, this this really cool uh, some percussion and also a flute melody. Um, the, this flute, I really liked it, and it's actually it serves the whole basis of like the the if if you can call them verses like there's no lyrics but the first and second verse of the song it's based on this flute so um so this is the original flute melody i'm i'm talking over it i know but basically uh i couldn't just use this flute by itself well i could but i wanted to just sort of beef it up a bit so i actually learned to play this melody in the sample pack and Uh, and and doubled it with a synthesizer. So so this is just the synthesizer playing by itself. And now this is the synthesizer and the real flute playing together. So you see it kind of sounds a little bit... A little bit fuller with both of them playing together at once but yeah so that that was like the basis of the melody in the verse sections and it's kind of weird that i just used a sample that somebody else had made for, for like the main melodic content of the track and it's like well it's a sample i have the license to use it and it sounds great so why not do it you know i i feel like as i've matured with my production, I'm getting less and less attached to wanting to have ownership of everything and actually like a lot of people have asked me about um the where where did the lyrics come from in the song who's who's rapping and it's like ah uh, aside from the outro which the outro I actually got my nephews to like do a bit of the vocals but in in the main parts of the song towards the beginning, it is. Not anyone I know. Like, I could not tell you who it is because it came from another sample pack. The vocals, the actual lyrics, as they're used in the song, um, come from straight out of the Logic. So Logic, as a music production program, they also have a bunch of loops. And if you go to Tia Lyric, like you type in T-I-A and then the word Lyric, it comes up with a bunch of samples. So here's, uh, for instance... Tia Lyric 10.
1: My own decisions. I don't want no opinions. Calling all the shots and I don't need nobody's permission.
0: So that sounds good. It's a little cheesy, but I really like that vibe of the lyric. So I combined, I think, Tia Lyric 2, Tia Lyric 9, and Tia Lyric 10. (laughs) And with all of these, I found like the main lyrical basis of the song and um here's just a little sampling of what it sounds like after i edited the the tl lyrics and i put a bunch of compression and distortion on them to make them really stand out in the mix
1: my own don't ask nobody for nothing i'm an independent diva, you love me, so check it i decisions i don't want no opinions Calling all the shots and i don't need nobody's permission Calling all the shots and i don't need nobody's permission
0: so the reason i call the song permission is just cuz it's the most obvious thing to call it based on that hook um in the original recording of the tia lyric sample permission is just kind of the thing that she says at the end but i decided that it needed to be repeated and looped over and over and over again because i really like that idea of i don't need nobody's permission you know it's it's pretty fantastic so here is the final recording of permission
1: Nobody for nothing I'm an independent we Will decide that you love us, So check it in. I am decisions I don't want no opinions Calling all the shots And I don't need nobody's permission Calling all the shots And I don't need nobody's permission Calling all the shots And I don't need nobody's permission Need nobody's permission Ain't nobody's
0: The next song on the album needs just a little tiny bit of backstory. So in 2019, I wrote a song with um, uh, one of my fellow songwriting students, Natalie Merrill, and we released it together. It was called Jupiter. I really, really liked it. Later. I put it on my EP called I don't play guitar and it like it I I thought you know the version that we did sounds really good but it would also be cool if we had some of my friends remix it so I sent it around sent the the instrumental stems to a few of my friends and they worked on making remixes and they sounded really really good and so I released a remixes EP of Jupiter with their remixes and I was actually thinking I was going to put my own remix on that on that EP but it just, it was, it wasn't ready. And it was just like, you know, I'm going to let my friends shine on this, on this EP and um, maybe do something else with my own remix later. So the, the last track on the album, not the last track in the story chronologically of my album, but the finale track is my own remix of the song Jupiter, which, uh, I, I kind of did on my own. I did get feedback from Natalie, but it was more of a solo project. I was just like, let's take this sweet pop song and make it dark and cinematic. <laughs> and that was kind of the whole vibe. Um, so this is just a little, little sampling of that. But you can listen to the full version on my album, obviously. This is Jupiter Cinema. which is the title I gave to the remix.
1: You've been ready all along for you. trip to jupiter where we're one with the stars in the sky discover every inch of milky way there's a world waiting for you baby if you stay away
0: oh. so the very last song on my album was originally called my habit um I since changed the title to habitual, but the reason it started out as my habit was because I wrote a a, a slow piano ballad uh, all on my own in the fall of 2020 about just feeling really fed up with this habit that I used to have where I would compulsively pick out the hair uh the the stubble in my like around my face and on my neck and it was just like I, 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 it's, it's a hard thing to describe, but if you've ever dealt with any sort of compulsive habits like that, it's just really, really frustrating to feel like I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this? It's not healthy to be pulling my hair out. I shouldn't be doing this yet. I am trying to stop myself. And why can't I stop myself from doing this stupid habit that is not helping me at all? Um, and This is something that I've struggled with on and on for years and years, uh, on and on, I mean on and off, (laughs) uh, for years and years, and especially during the pandemic, it got really, really bad to the point where I would just be doing it kind of constantly throughout the day, which sucks, which is not good, which is not healthy. Um, since then I've kind of recovered from the habit but I just I wanted to make a song about that. So I wrote this, this piano song and I sung it myself and um, here is a little little sampling of that, the, the original recording. stuck on autopilot wish that I could stop but still I'd do it again do it again and do it again. Try to hide it No one needs to know So I'm just counting to ten and Counting to ten Again and again So I'll find another article That'll teach me how to manage it But it's also hypothetical ultimately for a number of reasons I decided that I didn't want to go any further with the song the way it was um I'm not too proud of my own vocals I don't think I'm that great of a singer and also it's just kind of like more of a personal song that I wouldn't necessarily want to put out on Spotify you know like I'm I'm fine having it here on this podcast for you all to hear it but um just <laughs> I don't know it, it's it's not really what i what i want to do primarily so i still really liked the music in this song though so i took it and i just made it a piano instrumental i played the main melody in the chorus as a piano melody and there are also several other melodies in the original recording which were already on piano and already worked really well for that format so the final piano instrumental is called habitual and i'm going to start fading it in over me talking about it right now and yeah it was just, it was just fun to make sort of a calm piano instrumental for the second to last track in my album, but I made this in uh i I recorded it and uh it was like it was like two months ago this was the very last thing that I wrapped up for the album, but it was just a really nice way to mellow it all out and to end the album on but Anyway, so that's the story of creating my album, Work From Home. Thank you so much for listening. Again, the whole thing is available on Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube, other streaming services. Uh, I'm still running that contest where if you can identify the places where each song contains a little melodic sample, a little melodic phrase, that is used in the next track and each song in that way kind of previews the song that's coming up before. Um, I described that in much more detail in the previous podcast episodes and I'm not going to be redundant about that right now. Um, There's also a post on my Instagram about it but that's still running if you want to uh, look for the samples. And next week, there will be a conversation with me and my dad talking about the movie The Incredibles and how it relates to the theme of this podcast. Uh, The following week, is the last episode in the series where I talk about my life, my life journey throughout music. It is the, the episode where I am talking about myself in the present, and that'll be a wild ride, but look forward to that. I can't believe we're almost reaching the ending. <sighs> anyway, uh, not the ending of the podcast. Don't, don't freak out. Just the ending of me telling this progressive story through my life. The podcast will continue. That specific story will wrap up. Anyway, (laughs) um, thank you all for listening. What do I see? I see... um, This time I actually prepared something. I see an Amazon order page where earlier today I was going to... actually purchase a book about ikigai the the japanese concept which became the title of my the, the first track on the album i really like the idea of a reason for being and i think in order to reconnect with my reason for being it would be nice to read a book about that so i have in my shopping cart right now uh, a book called ikigai the japanese art of a meaningful life by Yukari Mitsushashi, I probably slaughtered the pronunciation of his name, (laughs) but um, yeah, I just, I have this up and I have not clicked purchase or I guess the place your order button on Amazon, but I wanted to save this moment for the very end of the podcast, so I'm looking at it right now, the big yellow button, place your order, I think this is good, I think this will help me, I think this will help reconnect me in the present with what I'm working on, um, Ikigai, I love that concept, I'm gonna, yes, click place, ah, just click place your order, ah, okay, uh, oh, it didn't work, of course not, because I waited too long, and it timed out, yeah, this page has been up on my computer for a long time, let's try that again, proceed to (laughs) (laughs) checkout. uh, uh, delivery to this address, yes, okay, uh, yes, that's my, credit card info on the screen that i'm seeing continue uh shipping looks good okay place your order one more time it's loading it's loading Ah, okay there it is i got the book it'll be here in a few days so that's that feels good (laughs) a little live amazon shopping for all you listeners back at home um yeah, that that'll that'll be good for me. Anyway, have a good time. Um, stay chill, stay good, uh, and until next time.